Hey friends, it's Coley. I'm so glad that you're making time to hang out with me today. As you can tell by the change in the theme music, this means we have a friend who is coming on to share some music with us. Do y'all know my friend Ben Kemsel? If you are local to the Pensacola area, I'm sure you have heard of him before. He is a friend that I met pretty early on when I moved to the Gulf Coast. I've since been inspired by his career, creativity, his hard work, and and more than anything else, his obedience to the Lord, his willingness to follow God wherever he goes and is leading him. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a very long time. And when he released his latest single last year, Love Comes Back Around, I wanted to have him on to share his new music and his story. After years of being a high school student athlete, Ben Kemsel grew bored of the sports scene. And with encouragement from his father, he found himself crossing over into playing music. This decision and season of training that followed changed his life forever. He later became a worship leader and then moved to Nashville to join a successful band, then traveled on tour, played the late night show with David Letterman, and then in a fast break, God called him back to his hometown. Today, Ben serves as a worship pastor at Three Circle Church in Daphne, Alabama, and continues to create and produce music as well as mentor local artists. As I mentioned, his latest single, Love, comes back around, featuring Phil J. released last year, and he is excited to announce more new music is coming soon. From playing basketball to performing at Bonnaroo, God has been faithful in revealing to Ben how his plans are intentional, a full circle. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and I hope you stick around to the end because there's a part of this conversation that I really want you to hear and hold on to. It completely shifted my perspective of my experience in worship and also the roles of worship pastors. And if you are in that scene at all where you are really leading anyone, but specifically if you are a worship leader, Ben shares a perspective of what that looks like and how we can do that well and honoring God's word. And I hope you listen because it completely shifted how I think about my experience in singing in unity with my fellow believers. There's so much, and I can't wait for you to hear more. It is my honor to welcome to Still With You, musician, singer, songwriter, and worship pastor, my friend, Ben Kemsel. I have a random question for you, and this is like, this is not on the notes, so you do not have to answer this. No, go ahead. I'm really having a heart for learning more about different cultures and ethnicity. What is your ethnicity? Do you mind me asking? (laughs) (laughs) If you had to guess, what would you say it is? See, that's the thing. I wanted to come on and just guess, but then I thought that might Uh offend him. So No, you can't offend me. I'm very unoffendable, especially with that kind of stuff. What's your guess? So my guess would be that you have some ancestry that is Native American. Yeah. The spread of my ancestry that kind of has specifically kind of the more like dark skin complexion and some of the facial structure is between Native American and Italian. Those two kind of combine for that. And then I've got a little bit of, well, I mean, there's a ton of everything in there, but the next one that's kind of, you know, in the the hierarchy of the, you know, genetic pool is Polish. And there's one more, and I'm trying to remember if it's, I think it might be Ukrainian, but that's on my dad's side. So essentially, Essentially, like the highest percentage that I have is Italian, and then under that is Nakin, other other pieces. But yeah, I'm just underneath uh, the percentage to be really considered Native American, but I've got a ton of Cherokee in my blood. Did you do 23andMe or MyAncestry.com? Is that how you found out? So I didn't, but for my grandma's 90th birthday, my cousin got her one of the Ancestry.com I think it was Ancestry. Um, And what he did was, so he travels all over Europe. And so he did a rundown of all of the lineage from her back to, you know, great, great, great grandmas and grandpas and stuff. And so while he traveled through Europe, he actually went to significant locations, like went to a small church in Milan where my great, great grandparents got married and took a picture there and was like, this is where you're going. Yeah, it was super cool. And then I know about the lineage of my Native American ancestry through, so my mom mom's side of the family, her great, great, I want to say even one more great grandma was like 
pretty much mostly Cherokee. And so like we have some, you know, documentation from back then that I didn't see that in the ancestry stuff because obviously he just did my dad's side of the family when he did all that. But that's where some of the Italian comes from over there. So that's the, uh, the long short of it. I love it. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I have taken like my ancestry.com uh-huh. since then. Like I've just been fascinated and I don't know why I always sometimes feel uncomfortable asking people I'm like, can you share your ethnicity? I don't know if it's just like something that I'm like learning to do or that it's okay. I think I always am so scared that I'm just going to offend someone. Thanks sure. so much for just like letting me practice. On you. For sure. Well, that stuff intrigues me a ton too. Well, I think it's born in that. I think that people might think that I assume that there's something and that's the truth. Sure. But I don't. I just am like, sure. Hey, I am curious. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally get it. It's also interesting. There's something really neat about when you start to figure out some of the science and like see pictures and see like stuff that all starts to add up to your lineage. It feels less like this old thing and like something that's disconnected to, wow, you know, if you really think about it, there's so much important information in my lineage that led to me even being where I am today, whether you look at that from the spiritual aspect or you look at that just from the simple science of, and I saw someone posted something the other day. It's like, if you ever feel, you know, kind of down about yourself, just know just the scientific probability of you existing is crazy when you look at all that kind of stuff. And so when you start to add all of those things together, and of course we have the opportunity to look at that through a spiritual lens, which is a huge Mm -hmm. blessing. It's just really cool to start to pour neat concrete on the idea of like, God has totally given us purpose and we can watch it kind of unfold. And it, as weird as this sounds, it starts to make me like kind of nerd out over the genealogy stuff in the Bible. When you read through the listing of why were these things put in scripture? And then you start to realize it's like, well, this is adding validity to some of the scripture that otherwise would just seem like any old story. And so I can kind of nerd out with you on that stuff for sure. It's it's definitely pretty neat. Yeah. I just started reading numbers today because I'm reading through the Bible. I usually skip over that part, honestly, genealogy, but I had a friend of mine. She just had a moment with the Lord in reading that. And so I took time to read it this year. That's in the Bible. Like, why wouldn't it matter to God? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a big thing for sure. That's super cool. Thank you so much for making time for this, by the way. I'm really excited to have you on and you've been such a kind supporter to me through this, through our entire city and kind of our Gulf Coast community. You really have just had a hand in encouraging young creators. So I'm just really excited to have you. Thank you. I'm just honored that you would, you know, give me a chance to just chat with you for a little bit and kind of share my story. And, um, you know, I love this kind of stuff because I think oftentimes people see highlights of different people's stories and assume that, oh, it's just so much better over there. And that person's just got it so good. And the truth of the matter is I, at times kind of forget about how blessed I am that God has uh, had certain people in my, in my walk and in my life that have shaped and molded me. And then also realizing that it's really cool to see that there's been impact made over what God's blessed me with, because I think the enemy's greatest tactic at times is trying to convince you that you have no purpose. And that what you're doing has no impact. And the truth is, even the smallest of impacts can be so huge for somebody. I just am glad that you're even just reminding me of that because it it can be so easily lost in translation when you're going about the mundane nature of your your week and all that. So I appreciate you having me on to let me chat about it a little bit. Well, my first question for you is you have a new single out on Spotify listening platforms for all of our friends to go listen to. It's called Love Comes Back Around. Why was this the right time for you to release? a single. Funny enough, I have a few different motivations for that song specifically. And and I can kind of give you a little bit of the backstory of the song too, kind of in this gambit of things. When I started having kids, I kept thinking of the inevitable day where I had a conversation with my children and they were like, dad, you Mm. used to do music. Where is your music? When can we listen to it? And where can we find it? And I found myself realizing that one of the greatest encouragements I could give my kids to chase the dreams that God places in their heart is be able to point back to something that I did during a season in my life and say, maybe this never became anything or whatever, but this was something that I gave a shot to try and see what it could become and who it could impact and what ways it could bring God glory. And so that's a weird kind of motivator for me specifically, but that was one of the things that really pushed me to want to start doing more music stuff. For such a long time, I had neglected to put together content and release it. I write all the time and I constantly create. Yeah, I was wondering about that if you're still writing. Yes. Oh, tons. You know, I released an album back in 2012, a Christian album, and that 
was the last thing I had released in any kind of capacity that was like, oh, check this out. Everything else was kind of just little ideas here and there, but nothing that I really stamped my name on and kind of put out into the world. I began to get really convicted about that because I had somebody tell me one time that one of the best ways to steward creativity is to use it and get it out and see how it affects your future songwriting, your future creativity, whatever that may be, whatever your creative outlet is, but then also how it can affect other people and encourage them to do the same. And so I say all that to say the motivation of the song, even though, you know, it kind of started with that idea of me wanting to kind of have something that I could point my kids to later on in life and say, this is something that I gave some time and energy and and effort towards. Even though that was an initial motivator, one of the other reasons that I really wanted to write that song is because interestingly enough, that song is kind of the story of my wife and I. Back in high school, we had a four-year age difference. I wasn't going to be the senior that liked the freshman girl. So we were always around each other, but it was always weird. I was like, yeah, this this wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. My best friend, his little sister was Karen's best friend. And so we were always around each other, but you know, nothing really came from it there. But we we had had a conversation when I was in college and we kind of were able to talk through like, oh, I like you, you like me. And we never really gave dating a shot, but because we very much so amicably parted ways with deciding not to date and not to go anywhere with a relationship, it left the door open for later in our future for us to be able to re-enter each other's lives in a way that wasn't drama and conflict and tension. Yeah, like you both had grown up. Yes, and I think that it's so sad to think that in middle school or high school, you can date a person, which what even is dating in middle school and high school? These days, <laughs> crying out loud. You can date somebody and ruin something that could have been so special because the timing is wrong. And so the song really speaks a lot to the way that we maturely decide to make decisions, especially when it comes to relationships and love. Even though everyone's story may not necessarily be, oh, maybe if the timing's not right, if it is in the future, it'll work out as long as you don't mess it all up. Uh, Even though that may not be somebody's story, I've also realized that whenever maybe not the love that you had then, but when a new opportunity to fall in love with somebody comes around, you're not working through all this crazy baggage that you created for yourself. And I think that that's something that kids nowadays need to hear, not even just kids, but people in general, because I think we're too free with that. It's important that we're so intentional and so calculated on the way that we, you know, have relationships with people, especially ones that any kind of intimacy, uh, you know, whether it be spiritual intimacy or emotional intimacy or whatever that may look like, just to be so careful and intentional about the way we do that so that we can protect that relationship, but also protect ourselves in the process. That's kind of the rundown of that song and why it was important to me. But I just felt like that message was something that people could benefit from. And I've learned that if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to stamp my name on it, it has to have something that feels like a greater purpose than me just putting out a song. I want a message to be behind why it's floating around out there and hope that it resonates with somebody in that fashion. It's so catchy. The vocals are fabulous. Phil J's feature is amazing. And I love his music in general. Thanks to you, you actually introduced me to him as an artist. I really just love the lyrics. And even hearing the message, I feel like it ups the ante. Thinking of things, not necessarily relationships, but things that I've fallen in love with that God's like, this is not now. And like waiting to see if that will come back around and having to trust in that the entire time. I love your take on it. Yeah, that's super cool. Very, very cool. From what I know from your story, I know that you started in music when you were fairly young. Like, were you in college when you began? The really condensed version of me getting involved in music was growing up, my brother and sister were both very musical. And so being the typical middle child that I am, I was like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to do something completely different than than what they're doing. And so I took the sports avenue growing up. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I even kind of really took to music much. And, and it was through uh, an instance where it's kind of hard without all the backstory. It kind of sounds a little strange, but I was kind of bored for a season of life when I before I could drive. And I didn't really have a ton of friends in Pensacola when we moved back from South Florida. But my dad was a worship pastor and he had a guitar and a book of songs. And in order to fill free time, I started learning how to play guitar because I had nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. And I started to fall in love with music in a really cool way. And I hit a crossroads in my life where I didn't necessarily feel like I was going to go anywhere long term with sports. But I remember my dad telling me after my senior year, we went to nationals for basketball. We lost a game in the national tournament and I was just devastated. To some people, that national tournament was a big deal. To others, it was like daycare basketball. (laughs) But I loved basketball. I loved sports. And I remember I was devastated. My dad actually traveled with us to that national tournament. I remember him telling me something. uh, Well, he really phrased it in the form of a question, but he just said, is sports something that you want to do with your life or do you feel 
like you're called to do music. And and we'd had conversations prior to that, but he was essentially reminding me, I had kind of already felt this calling into music and using music in some way, shape or form. And he was kind of reminding me to stay focused. It was in that conversation and in the following months that I really got serious with music in my life. That was around 16, 17, that time frame in my life. So really music became a very integral and important piece of my life late high school, right before I started college. The timing couldn't have been any better because the decisions that I started to make to allow music to be something that was a part of my daily life mm-hmm. while I was in a season where I could afford to put time towards it and afford to you know, grow in it was just perfect. Because for me, early college, I had more free time than I realized I had ever had up to that point. <laughs> and, uh, and then was surrounded by some of the best musicians at that time that I'd ever had the chance to be around. And they just continued to encourage me and sharpen me and grow me. And at that point, in time, not only did, you know, my ability to play and all that kind of stuff get better, but my love for music grew tremendously uh, between like 17 and 20. Those were some of the most formidable years for music for me because I I truly did just fall in love with the creativity outlet that it gave me, but also the heart that it gave me for ministry and how I could use music in ministry was really special during that time. I've had years where that I'm like, man, God, like, I don't feel like anything big is happening. And it's like those training seasons that Mm. help so much. What did those formative years springboard you into of where you're actually putting that to practice? Well, what's really cool is exactly what you said. All of the the springboarding things for me were in the mundane, were in the times when I didn't really think, oh, I'm being formed into who I am now. That's kind of that side encouragement to those people that are in the season where they're like, man, I just, I feel stagnant. If you're committing what you're doing to the Lord, there's not really such a thing as being stagnant. You know what I mean? Like he's working on that kind of stuff. And so for me, all of those years eventually kind of brought me to a place where I had been given a ton of great opportunities when I was, uh, you know, younger in ministry. By the time I was 19, I had taken my first worship leader position at a church Mm -hmm. down in South Florida. And so I moved down there and learned a ton in the short time that I was there. I came back to Pensacola. Really the next major season of my life was moving to Tampa to be a worship leader for a student ministry of a church in Tampa. And so those were two really interesting seasons in my life because I was kind of in that season where I'm getting my foot in the door for what I want to be doing. And it was it was through those years of forming all of that that I'd seen doors open. And so when I got to Tampa, I was like, man, I'm going to be here for the long haul. It was really interesting the way that that all kind of unraveled because very shortly after being down there, the position kind of ended up kind of dissolving. And I found myself at a crossroads where I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life at that point because I'd aimed everything at being a worship leader. That's a whole nother section. Uh, You know, I feel like that story would require almost its own podcast to tell. But I found myself kind of frustrated with figuring out what my purpose was supposed to be. And so I had had my brother up in Nashville tell me for years, you need to move up here and give music a shot. And so what I didn't realize was all of the years that I was around some of those incredible musicians, I was being very much so sharpened so that uh, when I finally got to Nashville, there was just an incredible open door to uh, get involved with a band up there that ended up being the pretty much the entirety of my time in Nashville, a band called the St. John's. And what's even funnier is my brother was kind of trying to do me a favor when I first moved up there. And he just connected me with the lead singer as a songwriting thing. And he was like, hey, you write songs. This guy writes songs. Why don't you guys get together and write songs? And we didn't write a single song. We ended up just like playing John Mayer songs and singing. And it was like, it was basically like we ended up just hanging out. And when I left that day, he sent me an email with a couple of songs and it was like, hey, why don't you just listen to these? This is for your consideration. Tell me what you think about them. And I didn't really think much of it. Listen to the songs. I was like, oh, I could kind of play some of that stuff. And it was like two weeks later that he said, okay, well, our in-town guitar player is a, a studio guy, is a great guitar player in, in Nashville. His name's Derek Wells. He plays on like mm-hmm. every country record you've ever heard. Because he can't tour or had chosen not to tour because he's making such good money in the studio, there was this open door for me to start traveling with them. So within a matter of a couple of months of being in Nashville, I was handed opportunity to be on the road with this band called the St. John's, which again, all of those mundane years leading up to that, the little things that, yes, big things were going on, but but the yeah. Sunday after Sunday, the Wednesday after Wednesday, Thursday after Thursday, whatever those nights were that I was playing and, and leading in worship, I didn't really think of it as, oh, this is shaping me and sculpting me for something that was in the future. But I realized that all kind of came to a really neat head at that moment when I had so many people I felt like I had to thank for that season of life because it wasn't even like they sat me down and said, oh, you need to prep for this great thing that's going to happen. 
happened. It was just, hey, continue to sharpen and continue to steward well what God's given you. And it was through those those years that that door was opened. And so that's kind of what it all ended up leading towards. And what an incredible mm-hmm. couple years that ended up being that I would have never thought, you know, if I moved to Nashville, give me a couple months and I'll be touring with a band. Like that was so far out of my, you know, out of my uh, line of sight at that time. But man, it was just so cool watching what God did, the doors that he opened with all of that. Just again, mundane day after day felt like I was just plugging away sometimes at nothing, but seeing where that led to is just so special and so encouraging. Hey friends, I hope you are loving my conversation with Ben Kimsel. Something that you've probably noticed from his stories that he talks about training and how God has invited him into seasons of preparation for what he wants to do and work through him for the goodness of the kingdom. And I am all about a strong training season. I feel like I'm always in one, in one way or another, but they are important, they matter, and we need to be intentional in knowing what we're training for and how to do it well. Clearly, this is something that is on my heart And one of the ways that I would love to help you is through communication. If you feel led to start a podcast, I want to be one of the people to help you get started. Over the past couple of months, I actually crafted a course to help you know how to launch a podcast. You absolutely can show up with nothing, not even an idea or a name or anything. But if God's put this on your heart or if you just really feel like this would be something fun to do, maybe as a hobby, then try it out. How to podcast with Coley Browning is a course you can find on Teachable. Simply search coleybrowning.teachable.com and is a fun, easy, encouraging step-by-step guide to launch your own podcast today. You'll learn how to discover your podcast purpose, plan your show step-by-step, and publish and promote your own work. Prior to launching Still With You, I read an endless amount of articles of how to start a podcast, but I could never find information that was trusted nor all in one place. That was my heart behind the course was to give you an easy to understand guide as well as trust information that you don't have to search for. Again, you can find this by going to coleybrowning.teachable.com. Whatever you're training for, podcast or not, I say go for it. We need more people who are being obedient and willing to say yes. How to podcast with Coley Browning. You can find the link in the show notes. Oh my gosh, I feel like I don't even have words because I'm like the faithfulness of God, but also so cool that he allows us to have it practice like the mind of Christ of like being faithful. Something I always say on the podcast is like pulling into the same parking lot, like day after day, you know, practice. Sure. Following in obedience is hard work, but something I've been saying recently to myself and then also to my friends every time I get the chance, I'm like, God says that we matter and our life has value. So we're worth the hard work. <laughs> like it's worth the mundane and the guitar players get like calluses on their fingers. <laughs> so like it's worth every single callus and every single, I'm sure like rejection that you guys faced. What I'm learning with musicians is that there's a lot of great yeses, but there's a lot of hard no's. The world of creativity is funny because unlike a lot of different things that we do, creativity is, I think, one that's so much so connected to our hearts. And so anytime you put yourself out there in a creative way, rejection is a, is a tough thing to manage because you don't feel like it's a rejection of your creativity. You feel like it's a rejection of you. Yeah. That's a really tough thing to navigate because what it requires is us to reevaluate where we find our identity. Mm-hmm. Because Although creativity is attached to our identity, it is not our identity. And because of that, if we have our identity hooked into or latched onto the wrong stuff and don't get the formula right for who we are, it can be so challenging to experience rejection. And I totally preach into myself on this with, I found myself doing that time in, time out. And that's actually one of the things that led to why I didn't release music for a long time. Even down to when I was in Nashville, you know, spending time sitting down with people and showing them music and hearing them get excited about it and saying, oh, there's all these opportunities we can do with some of your music and never seeing any of that come to fruition, I definitely became kind of negative towards the music industry and not saying that like, you know, I, I got burned out in that sense because there's people that plug at it for a lot longer and, and and have so much more endurance in that world. But that kind of plays into the story in, in a whole different way, watching how God was kind of reshaping my heart to get back involved in what he wanted me to be doing in the local church and in ministry with music. What's really cool is it was through some of those rejections, which were really hard. And because my heart was so connected to the creativity being my identity, God used those opportunities to help shape me back to him in a really cool way uh, 
that I don't think I would have had any kind of bead on prior to walking through it. And that's a funky thing when you don't realize like standing on this side of something bad happening, which is I see what God's done and I have hindsight. It's so clear. But at the time, it's like, what are you doing? You know, whereas, man, if if we can just look back at the times that God was faithful with the weird stuff that didn't seem like it was going anywhere, I just feel like we could be so much more encouraged in the future for what he's continuing to do. And I won't get too far into that because that's kind of where the landing page is for me today. You know, as we continue to talk, like that's really where he's continued to point me. It's like not counting out what he's done in the past that seemed wacky. Like there was no way you were going to use this for that. Continuing to realize that's still the God that's working in my situation now. And that's so special and it continues to encourage me day in and day out. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to steal the thunder early. We're getting there for sure. (laughs) You're all good. I am curious, and this is me maybe like over romanticizing this idea. So like, tell me if I'm just, I don't know if this is not how it went down, but like, I love vintage theaters, places that used to be like a movie house or do shows like locally. I remember hearing that you and the St. John's you went on tour. Like, I know there were a couple of places that were like that, that you played to be very vulnerable. I'm kind of about like inviting friends into dreams that we have. And like, no matter what, like I just hold them with an open palm. And that's one of my things when I go to the Lord, I always pray that it's like crazy to think about, but sometimes I pray that I'm like, God, I have this heart to bring the gospel into places that are kind of where you're like, that's random or that the fact that there's like history there and to bring like fresh perspective of just who Jesus is. But I'm so curious, since you had the opportunity to sing and perform and bring that light and creativity to places like that. Like, what did that teach you? First off, uh, let me encourage you with this, that like as unique as that might feel of kind of the heart that you have, that's absolutely the heart of Jesus. Because when you look at the ministry that he did, specifically the three years when he was in public ministry, the most uh, interesting thing that you see Jesus do is go to the places that had people scratching their head. Why would you go and spend time with those people? Why would you intentionally try and take the gospel there? Why would you, you know, be intentional where a lot of other people were not intentional or even more so where people may have tried to be intentional prior, but felt like their message or witness fell on deaf ears. Like Jesus kind of came in to bust up that feeling. Please know for whatever encouragement it is, like that is so much the heart of Jesus that I I think that's one of those things that you don't even need to classify it as like a weird, like unique thing. Like that's so much of what Jesus wanted to do in his ministry. So I hope you're encouraged by that. But yeah, so to answer your question, that's a really interesting thing to think back on because one of the things that I wish I had done a lot more of was sit in the moment and soak in how cool what I was doing was at the time. I have found myself so much more often reminiscing and thinking back, not necessarily being the uh, the person that thinks, oh, I could have done more or whatever, which I think we all struggle with that, yeah. but not realizing how cool certain things were when they were happening. Places like the Bluebird Theater in in Denver. Let's see. So there's one in, I want to say it's Knoxville. I, I can't remember if it's Knoxville or if it was Chattanooga. I think it's called like the Bougeot Theater or, or something like that. It's a, like a super old theater. We played there with Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. And Oh my gosh, I love them so much. I want to say if I can pull up, and I know obviously you expedite the editing process here so that I can at least give you the the real info. But I'll put all of the theater names in the show notes for our friends to find so they can see. And thank you for allowing me to have this conversation with you. You're like the one friend I have who's had experience actually doing the thing. Oh, absolutely. So this was the first tour we went on. We went to a few different spots of the House of Blues, which is really cool because that place, House of Blues has a really interesting vibe to it. The first thing I thought of when I think of House of Blues is like Freaky Friday. You've got Lindsay Lohan, you know, shredding at House of Blues over in California. We played the Bowery Ballroom in New York, which is a super cool venue for that uh, that kind of thing, which which is what you're talking about. Oh yeah, this is funny. This is an old archived picture. I don't know if you can see this. That's us. That's our name on the marquee of the Bluebird right there. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. That's what made me remember to like ask about that. Yeah, super special. This is another fun picture. I don't know if you're familiar with the Lone Bellow. Do you know who they are? No, I don't. So you have to check them out. This was their uh, guitar player. I was getting ready to go out on stage and he literally asked me, he's like, is that what you're wearing? And I was like, yeah, why? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. And he like dressed me before I went out on stage (laughs) and some of the clothes he had hung up in like their traveling armoire or whatever. I was like, this is so weird. What is happening right now? 
back to the question itself, again, being in some of those venues was really neat because I can definitely say uh, that during that season of my life, one of my most primary thoughts was not necessarily what I wish that it was now, which is, man, it's so cool that I'm getting the chance to, to walk the gospel into these particular rooms. People that may have never heard of Jesus are, are getting to see something special. And that's even cool because the tour we were on with Drew Holcomb, we played one of those venues, it's called the Good Light Tour. It was on that that album that they had. And so that's even more kind of ironic thinking back to that's what we were doing. Yeah. But, you know, I never really considered that part of it. But what's cool is God is faithful enough to use seasons, even when we're not being intentional to continue to receive glory. Like that's what he's all about. Making sure that when we say, okay, God, I dedicate something to you. Even when we lose focus on what we initially had done, God kind of takes us at our word and says, well, you you dedicated this to me. I'm going to use it for my glory and for furthering my kingdom. I say that also like as an encouragement, not so much for people to not focus on it because I would say the intentionality makes it so, so much better. But don't look back on a season of your life where you may have felt like I could have given it more and assume or rule out what God could have done in that season of your life. I would love to one day in heaven just walk around and be like, hey, is there anybody that, that was like impacted by this thing that I wasn't even ever thinking of, but somehow... so. I say that like, don't rule out God because, you know, he's continuing to do incredible things, even in spite of how focused we are on them. And so that to say, like thinking back on it, it's really cool to see all those opportunities. And yes, I do wish that I had been more intentional at the time, but that's the other thing I found so much comfort in is knowing that God used that um, in a way that I'll probably, you know, there's going to be a lot of things I probably never know how he used specific things. You know, I definitely don't want to get wrapped around the axle of trying to figure all that out because at the end of the day, if it's about him and his glory, that's going to happen especially, like I said, when you decide and walk into something and say, God, the rest of this, like this is dedicated to you. It's yours. You get the glory for it. And uh, I'm convinced that, that that he does. And something I'm going to say, because I know that you won't say it yourself. And again, like I am totally with you. Like these accolades on earth are just nothing compared to heaven and stuff. Sure. But I will also say for our friends, just to, just to kind of like point to your obedience to like you played Letterman, which is a big deal also. So I, I knew you were not <laughs> sure. going to say that. So I just wanted to tell our friends, like guy who got bored well, while playing sports also was on life. Well, and again, testament to God's faithfulness. The super, super short version of that is we had gotten off the road from a long tour and I drove home from, to Pensacola for the holidays to spend time with family. And I had like just gotten home and uh, Louis Johns, the lead guy singer of the St. John's called me and was like, hey, we need you to come back. And I literally remember on the phone being like, you've got to be kidding me. You need me to come back to that for what? And he was like, we got an opportunity to play Letterman. And I was like, All right, I'm getting in the car right now. And I drove back up to Nashville and we uh, we practiced for a couple of days. And then we were only in New York for like 36 hours, maybe. Wow. We flew up there, played, and then we left and we took a picture at the airport when we got back in Nashville and all of us looked like we'd been hit by a train. It was crazy. <laughs> but yeah, like really cool to see because again, same thing of hindsight's an incredible, incredible tool in faith building. But you take me to Nashville and within the first day of being there, if you'd have told me within two years, well, really at that point, within a year, you'll be playing on David Letterman. I would have said, you have me confused with somebody else. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) So like the testament to God's faithfulness to use me for something like that is incredible because again, I have to go back and not even trying to sound like it's this humble statement. Like the guy that played guitar for them is literally one of the best guitar players in the world. He plays on Keith Urban records. He plays on Brad Paisley records. If you've listened to a country album, you've heard his guitar work. The only reason he didn't tour with them is because it was not lucrative enough. And it's not like he would say, this because obviously he's a great dude, but like he made such good money studio playing, he couldn't go and play. If that's not a testament to God's faithfulness and and the tapestry that he's working on, I don't know what is because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm a bad guitar player or a bad singer. Like It's not even so much that as it doesn't add up when you say, yeah, a band that's got the one of the best guitar players in Nashville playing for them is going to be the band you're going to play Letterman with. I would have said you're crazy. And so it's such a neat testament to God's faithfulness to watch him work and do what he does. It's just really, really, cool because I look back at stuff like that and think it's like a fever dream. Like that didn't actually happen, did it? Like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. And so, yeah, yeah, just really cool to watch how God, you know, unravels things and just uses them for the coolest stuff. And and so, yeah, I, I'm just honored that I was able to participate in that season of their music journey. Talking about training, how you were talking about you had a season of training that formed you to be able to experience touring and being on the road and performing. And then I think it's so interesting too that that in itself was 
in a sense, training you to return to your hometown and also pour into your city by continuing to lead worship. And also, I just love how you are stewarding what you've learned by investing in young artists. Like all of our friends know who Arthur Rocker is. All of our friends know who Caitlin Pearl is. And I mean, and not just them. I'm sure there's other people that I don't even know or haven't met yet who you have encouraged and really helped develop them and their craft. Why was that right for you to be like an encourager and a producer? I, I, I don't know if that's the right word. Sure. I want to do that well. I want to always try to steward well, not that I am by any means like a David Letterman experience. I think we all want to do that in a way of where there's something that we can share and help others. And I think you you do that really well. And I genuinely mean that. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, my my philosophy has not always been, unfortunately, has not always been how can I pay forward what has been invested in me. And so it was really through a season of God kind of, you know, humbling me and, and helping me to understand why he placed me on the earth to get me to be minded in that way. And so yeah. to, to kind of shift gears from the Nashville season back to Pensacola, I remember calling the band members and just telling them, like, I feel like God's calling me back to Pensacola. And, and now keep in mind, this was during a season where there was a six-month span where the beginning of that span was Letterman. The end of that span was Bonnaroo in Manchester, Tennessee, which is one of the biggest indie folk festivals that they do. So and you played Bonnaroo too? Yeah, that same oh, year. Oh my gosh. So, okay, yeah, bonkers, like an absolute bonkers stretch of time. It was in the middle of all of that that I found myself just feeling so disconnected from the purpose that God had placed me on the earth. It was almost like, he allowed me to walk through a couple years worth of doing specific things that would give a platform to whatever it is that he was wiring me for. And then saying, okay, now that you've had this opportunity, I want you to take what you've learned in that opportunity and use it to pour into other people. And so I didn't have that revelation, like, you know, sitting in bed one night, I just knew like, I'm supposed to be back home. And it felt weird calling them and saying in the middle of all that, Hey, I'm not supposed to be doing this. That felt very weird. I just knew that's what God was calling me to do. If you're listening to the podcast and and you feel like God is urging you to do something, yes is the right answer. I want them to know like, yes is the right answer because even in the difficulty of having that conversation where it felt like I was just pulling the rug out from under, you know, the rest of those band members, like the faithfulness of God through that and watching them continue to do neat stuff. And even up to releasing new music as of last week, I believe God has continued to be so faithful in in their season as well. But I say that to say I moved back down to Pensacola without even knowing what I was going to do. And this guy may not even know this. A good friend of mine, Austin White, was the music director at a church in Fort Walton Beach. I left and because I said yes to God, which was go back to Pensacola and put your roots back down and and let's roll. Mm. Because I had no idea what that was going to look like, but I said yes. I got a phone call. I remember I was at a rest stop. I got a phone call, saw Austin White's name pop up. I answered it and he said, hey, this may be really weird. I know you're in Nashville playing music, living the dream, (laughs) but I'm about to step down from this music leading role at this church and I think you're the right guy for the job. Wow. That was me in a car with all the stuff that I owned driving back to Pensacola with no idea what I was about to do with my life. Oh my gosh, Ben. Wow. Crazy, crazy. And so like I nonchalantly, I was like, yeah, let me, let me pray about it. You know, like I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. You know. But no, I, and I just remember like feeling like God was blessing that yes in, in such a neat way. As soon as I got back to Pensacola, I felt like that I was supposed to be pouring into the local community. I didn't really know how to do that at the time. And so what's really cool is I have a great friend of mine, somebody that I've considered Considered, you know, to be one of the most influential people in me figuring out how to mentor and how to lead and pour into the next generation is I got a phone call really shortly after moving back to Pensacola from Paul Vincent. Yeah. And he called me and said, meet me at Chick-fil-A. I want to talk to you. And I was like, I don't really know who this kid is. I just know he's a talented musician. Let's talk. He's been on the show. So our friends know who he is. So incredible opportunity he sits down. And he's like, hey, I want to do what you just did for the past two years. How do I do that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I let's, like, let's talk about it a little bit. And I remember kind of figuring out how influential walking through a season of your life ahead of somebody can be and then helping them 
navigate from the mistakes that you made, learn from the things that were encouraging to you. And so like, I owe a lot of my mentoring heart, not just to God's call in my life, but like to people like Paul, who before I was even really trying to be intentional with mentorship and encouragement, kind of pushed me into it by just saying, can we meet for coffee or for, in his instance, (laughs) Chick-fil-A. And I'll never forget sitting there and just him asking me questions and me answering the questions and being like, I hope that's helpful. And be like, no, it's really cool. I remember this feeling of, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like this feels so much different than anything I had done because the goal wasn't how do I build some kind of little platform or empire for myself, but how do I encourage and help other people to try and reach the goals that they want to reach? Because I knew how hard it was to feel like I wanted to achieve something, but didn't know somebody that I could tangibly pick up my phone and call and say, how do I do this? Or if I did, I didn't know how to reach out to them. Like I realized, man, this is something that I feel like younger people, even though I didn't do anything that was really all that earth shattering or groundbreaking, it was neat to think like, man, I want to be able to be on the other end of a phone call or help mentor somebody into, if that's something that you want, let me tell you what you can do to help get you there. But let me also tell you what to avoid so you don't make the same mistakes I do. And I feel like at the end of the day, God showed me through those experiences that my heart was really wired so much more for like trying to find a way to play a role in the development of other people because I love watching people win. Mm -hmm. I love watching people succeed, whether I'm a big piece of that, a small piece of that, even if I'm a distant encouragement of that. It just brings my heart so much joy and purpose and fulfillment to know that I can play some kind of role in that process and ultimately try to help them keep from, again, making those same mistakes, which all of the mistakes that I feel like I made in that season were not, did I buy the right guitar? Did I play the right song? Did I sing the right note? It was always, did I stay connected to Jesus enough through this process to make sure that in everything that I did, I truly brought him glory? As long as I feel like I can start and make that the grounds then the producing side and the helping shape music and all that can have purpose like never before because it's rooted in making sure that Jesus becomes known through the process. And it just infuses it all with a whole new meaning. And so, you know, that really became such a a heart of mine through that process and through having people like Caitlin ask questions, having people like Arthur ask questions. And so I owe even a lot to them for the people that feel like maybe from a distance they've been encouraged because it wasn't until those types of people started asking me those questions and saying, how do we do this? And what would you suggest that I realized there may be something to this whole mentoring, developing, encouraging thing that I just had never given credit to before. And uh, it really set a new trajectory for what ministry looked like. The super short long of it is just that I'm just thankful that I've had an opportunity to pour back into that community because on that same type of scale, like I would be nowhere in my life outside of the people that help to sharpen me and grow me and give me advice and just the faithfulness of God of keeping those people in my life. So I just feel like paying it forward is just what makes sense. But it's so selfless, especially like, I, how do I want to word this carefully? Like you have such a gift of being, you're a great musician. And so I just, sometimes you don't always see those paired together where like selfless to steward forward on top of also holding the gift. Mm. And I just think you do that really well. Something that you personally encouraged me was my first time ever speaking a message at a night of worship you played that night and I will never forget this is so dorky but I always had like watched you know sermons where all of a sudden someone will come in in the background with the music and I remember thinking like that moment's gonna be so magical and it actually was I was like it was so weird but awesome (laughs) but I will never forget that that night honestly changed my life even and yeah and talk about like just how God uses things like that was just a room full of our friends honestly something like was deposited in my heart that night where God was um, just encouraging me personally. I believe when those moments happen, it's a multitude of people who have prayed, who are being obedient. Yeah. I'm just really grateful for you personally, like encouraging me during that time in my life. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm trying to remember which, I don't remember if that was the eighties themed night that we did. I can't remember which night it was, but I do remember my wife and I were there. It wasn't the eighties night. Okay. So it wasn't eighties night. So I remember there was a few, cause I actually wasn't involved in that young adults ministry. Cause it was access. Is that what you, you spoke at access, didn't you? 
Yeah, but I'm pretty sure. Didn't you play the you play guitar? Okay, so I did, and that's that's what was funny. I wasn't involved in Access for very long. That's what's oh, even wow. funnier about that season. I really only got involved in Access because I believe it was at that time that Nick Howard had kind of taken over young adults and was starting to get involved in that that yeah. realm. And so I remember him asking me specifically. And so I think they were like, out of all of the different meetings of Access, I think I led worship for two or three of wow. them. What's even cooler is I remember talking to a few people, but specifically one being my wife. And even when you kind of reached out to us yeah. on, on social uh, not too long ago, I remember her and I talking that night and being like, dang, Coley killed that message. Like for real. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not bringing this story up to have like no, 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 no. I, I trust me. I, I know. I know. I totally get like, and and you can cut all this part out if you really want to. Like, genuinely, just want you to be encouraged by. There was a very apparent hand of God on what it was that you were doing as a communicator. And so when I found out that you were doing the podcast, that was an encouragement to me to know that you've continued to chase something that God has clearly gifted you with and clearly called you and urged you to do because. Let's just be honest. There's a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of them stink. And there's a lot of people that they're doing it because it's hip and doing it because it's trendy. And the truth is coming across a good podcast with good content, good motivation and good communication is is not as common as people think that it is. From what I've heard of your podcast, it's incredible. And God has clearly gifted you to do this kind of stuff, to have conversations that are beneficial for people to listen to and not just like this random rambling of like, what's even the point? Like it's so well pointed. And so I, I do want to encourage you because I could tell even from that night being one of the first experiences I got to hear you communicate, you're very gifted at it. So keep it up because it's, it's, it's doing a lot. I promise you. That means a lot coming from you, like, especially, but I just, I did want to like highlight that because that mattered to me. And so when we have these opportunities to serve, you know, obviously like don't overload yourself. I don't want our friends to think that they have to say yes to everything, but man, like those, they matter. And it's, I'm just, I'm really grateful for that. I think that again, like you do such a good job of, I think the word I'm saying is like sharing, like sharing what you have and sharing what you know. And, and I also want to highlight that, that not only are encouraging creatives, but you also are pastoring a church worship pastor at three circle. I really have a special place in my heart. I think all of us do for our worship pastors. They're definitely underappreciated and also like the amount of warfare I feel like they go through to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. My whole goal slash mental processing of worship leading changed through my Nashville experience a ton. And so I feel like when I came back from Nashville, my goal as a worship leader became so much less about even the music and more so about the leading. I enjoy communicating and sharing what God's kind of deposited in my life. And I feel like music is one of those really cool ways to communicate that message in a way that just gets, it's like, it's such a sticky message. Something about music gets stuck in your head. It gets stuck in your heart. I mean, you've been on the receiving end of like music, just kind of shifting your emotion. I'm sure, you know, it can like take your mood from, from A to Z. It's crazy how that kind of stuff can work. I love being a part of that. And it, and it wasn't until getting kind of reinvolved in worship specifically over here that I started to realize the weight that comes with bleeding, like that you're kind of mentioning, but even more so understanding that as worship leaders, Not only are we teaching theology and teaching about who God is through song, but we're asking people to do it with us. So like maybe, maybe take this mental shift with me. Like, like I don't want it to sound like I'm over emphasizing what a worship pastor does, but I do think a lot of worship pastors don't realize the weight of what they're doing in this sense. So like communicators of the gospel, there's such an important emphasis on teaching the word. But I also think worship leaders fail to realize that they're not just teaching that, but they're actually, and and for lack of better words, they're putting the gospel message into people's mouths. They are literally asking people, sing this with me, declare who God is, preach to your heart in times of fear, in times of doubt. There's a whole different things. It would almost be the equivalent of like the, the pastor putting his message on the screen and asking people to read it while he teaches. It's like that same idea. And so when I started to look at worship leading that way, it was like the most refreshing kick in the teeth because I had realized there were so many years that I focused so much more on, is there a proper flow of like, 
tempos of songs into the keys mesh. And if I remember Brandon Lake posted something, which Brandon Lake is one of the like greatest worship leaders out there right now. Killing it right now with House of Miracles. Love oh my it. gosh, it's so good. And he's influenced me in tons of ways that like, he'll probably never know who I am and that's totally <laughs> fine. But he's influenced me in such a way with some of the stuff he's posted. But he was like, he posted a thing and he's like, this weekend set list. And it was like, it was a sheet of paper, basically, you know, like a mock set list. But instead of having the names of songs and keys that just said minister to the Lord, I remember it being so uh, encouraging and convicting to me that like, I spend so much of my time making sure that everything is like fine tuned and works together. But, but I never sat down to think of the weight of mm. what I'm asking people to do when I ask them to worship with me. And so even in that, it kind of ties back into that whole, like wanting to encourage people, but also wanting to leave them with something that has the opportunity to change their entire way of thinking. I realize that every Sunday and every Wednesday night that I'm involved in our student ministry, I have a chance to do that when I stand on a platform yeah. and bring a team alongside and say like, let's get after worshiping God. And so I love that that's kind of slowly shifted to be my heart, but I have so much of this church that I'm a part of to thank for that because this is one of the most intentional churches I've been a part of that's like, we're going to make sure that everything that we do is so intentional about the gospel and making sure that we are pointing every bit of what we have at glorifying God and worshiping him in spirit and in truth, which is with the right knowledge, but also with the right emotion. I'm still being shaped as a worship leader by the people that I get to rub shoulders with here. And I hope that I never stop being shaped. Every week, I feel like I learned something new. And so that's kind of that last little challenge that I want to leave with people, especially worship leaders, because I feel like I can speak to it. But this is like, don't feel like at any point in time, you've hit a spot where you can't learn anymore because you can. Right. Especially as a creative, like the nature of creativity is doing something in a unique and new way. Like that is how we are like God. That's that's what we call one of the communicable attributes of God, which is how are we like him? There's so many ways, but one is in our creativity. That's one of the neatest ways that we get to look at the world. And so don't assume that as a creative, you've done your best work or that you've written your best song or yeah. whatever that may be, because the nature of creativity is continue to do something new. And if you're faithful in continuing to do what God's called you to do, stewarding it well and offering it to him, you will be shocked at what God will do, even if it's just how do I continue to be a better worship leader, a better podcaster, whatever that looks like. And he's faithful to continue to sharpen you in that process. And so that's kind of what I'm learning in this season and continuing to grow in. It never ceases to amaze me how much more in that realm I can learn. I have been journaling nonstop, just the phrase, God, like I want to be like a refine till I die kind of girl, you know, which is hard to say because the refining is such a process, but I'm like, that's the kind of person I want to be is that like drink it till the last drop, refine till I die. Good stuff. You're like speaking my language. I'm like, I feel like hype. That's cool. Seriously, listening to you say this. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Like if there's anything else that you have to share, like please do. But I also know that you are super busy doing all the things, including being a dad, which I also wanted to tell you while you're here, your kids are so cute. I love like looking at pictures that Karen <laughs> posts. You. They're like so sweet. And like uh, your little one is like so precious right now. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm very biased that I think my kids are like the cutest things in the world. But, no, they um, are. They're really cute. You know, when you read scripture, it's kind of cool how God will allow you to read the same story. And like, depending on what season of your life in and how open you are to him, you know, illuminating scripture to you, especially like as you're asking, but like, you know, like give me fresh perspective on this. It's cool how yeah. God can continue like, when you read the same story over and over again to give you that fresh idea of like what he's trying to communicate. That's what I love the most about scripture specifically being active and God breathed this whole idea of like, it's going to speak to your season. Like all this stuff that's floating on or, you know, out there about like how the Bible was written for a specific culture and a specific season. Like I believe with my whole heart that like the Bible is still so relevant to where you're at right now. I think most people find themselves getting kind of cold and stagnant to reading scripture yeah. because they truly don't believe that it can still speak to their season. And so I say all that to tee up this thought. I feel like I'm a revolving door of constantly trying to say, gosh, like God's teaching me this with my life and God's teaching me that with my life. And when I look back on this season, this is totally what it was that he was teaching me. And I I want to encourage people not to try and pigeonhole what you feel like God's teaching you because what God is teaching you is, I do believe, changing for the season that you're in, but it's never contradicting one another. And what's really cool is it's never been a God's teaching me this. Oh, actually, no, he was teaching me this. It is 
God's teaching me this, but also this. Wow. At the same time, this, that's something special that like, I think requires intentionality on our end to keep our radar open, our antennas up to what it is that he's trying to communicate to us. Because if we take that mentality, especially into our creativity, you know, people talk about writer's block and kind of hitting a wall with creativity. I'm convinced in the same way God can continue to illuminate different things, especially like scripture and seasons of life and what he's doing. I'm convinced that if you really lean in and your motivation behind why you do what you do is to glorify God, it's going to take on a new meaning for you, even if it doesn't for somebody else. And so like for me, I could be fine with putting out 15, 20 more songs in the next three days and all of them only get one play and feel like, you know what, I'm doing this for God and I'm hoping in whatever way it looks like at the end of time that he's glorified through it. And so I guess that's kind of like tying a bow on like my life and what that looks like right now in this scene is just like stay encouraged to do what it is that you do as a creative. I think that one of the most limiting things we do as creative people is use this like self-deprecation of I'm not good enough. Again, I've done my best work or whatever. And and I just, I want to kind of break that lie for somebody that might be listening to say, hey, just go back out there and be faithful and be diligent because I think that if if David sitting out in the field learning how to shoot a slingshot thought to himself, this is all useless, he wouldn't have been ready for Goliath. He wouldn't have been ready to shepherd God's people. Don't let your passion have a platform before you pursue it. Like you just get after it now and you'll be so shocked at what God's prepping you for, but don't miss it because you weren't faithful with what he had given you and didn't steward it well in this season. Because I've seen that happen in my life too, where I'm like, man, I wish I was more ready for this opportunity or whatever that may be. And I know that's kind of a lot to process, but that's kind of where I want to leave people. While it leaves good conviction, it also leaves so much encouragement and so much hope. My prayer would be that people would, would find themselves on the latter part of that. Of Yes, maybe a little convicted, but just so encouraged to sit down and be diligent. And maybe you stopped that painting or stopped writing that song. Like, go sit down and work on it right now. Like, what's what's the worst that could happen, right? Ben Kimsley, you are coaching me. This like feels like a coaching session. I'm like getting all hype and everything. This is awesome. I'll send you a bill okay. later. <laughs> okay. I'll be sure to Venmo you. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I want all of our friends to go listen to Love Comes Back Around. And also, I want to plug Trees on your first album. That don't sleep on that song. Like, that is so good. So while you're at it, just cue that up. Again, want to thank you. And the final question that we ask all of our friends on Still With You, where is God still with you? So it might sound like the Sunday school answer, but I want to tease it out a little bit. And I say as, as you know, my final answer as if it were, you know, uh, who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> Final Jeopardy. Uh, Yeah, right. My final answer, like everywhere. And I say that for this reason. There are so many times in my life where I feel like God has been quiet for a season. And some of that is because I have stopped listening. Some Mm -hmm. of that is truly because God is allowing my faith to be built through his silence. But then on top of that, I also realize all of those times where I feel like I wasn't paying attention. He was in the way that I might not have expected him to be in. For instance, the Israelites, when they were freed from Egypt, God led them as smoke and fire. Uh, In my life, I've realized, wow, okay, God was right in front of me through this and I just tuned out. I say that to say like, specifically with that idea of where God is still with you. If you focus in and you hone in, you can see him in areas that you don't even think he is. If you do miss out on it, like don't uh, be sad from the times that you've been missing it. Like just tune in now, be surprised at where he's at. And so for me, like there has been no corner that I have turned, even when I have misused and had the worst intentions of, of a specific thing. It's crazy how like at that turnaround, God's right there for whatever that may be for the person that's listening for you, for whoever he's with you in everything that you do. All of that to say, again, I know that's kind of like the Sunday school generic answer, but that's really how that question resonated with me because I have yet to take a thing and say, God, what do you want to do with this? And how are you still using this in my life? And how do you want to use it? And it been like, oh, that he doesn't want to, or he's not going to. It's always, I'm glad you asked. Let's go. Like that's always <laughs> how it seems to be. Um, And so, you know, through the process of him continuing to humble me through everything that he's given me and all the stuff that he's done in my life, I just find that his hand is everywhere. And it's so evident when I just pay attention to it. I was going to say that answer stands alone, but then also getting to hear the backside of your story, like that answer gives it so much more meaning too when we hear tangibly how God worked through your life. So I'm just really grateful for you sharing and you're welcome back on here anytime. Like sincerely, thank you for all of the personal encouragement that you've done for me. And like I said, our people in our city. Absolutely. Well, thank you you for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. And I would love to come back. You just let me know when. Friends, is Ben not the best? My goodness, 
There are so many pieces of his story that I did not know and I now love that I have learned. Is God not incredible how he works in full circles? Allowing Ben to leave his hometown, move to Nashville, go and experience music and then bring it back to his home city and encourage other people and continue to pastor and minister and worship and uplift others. It's amazing and it points exactly to how God is always writing a story and I want to be a part of that. I hope you want to be a part of that because God's doing it, so we just got to jump on board. As Ben mentioned, more of his music is coming soon, but until then, please enjoy listening to Love Comes Back Around featuring Phil J. You can stream it on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you find your music. If you want to connect with Ben, you can find him on Instagram. His handle is Ben Kimsel, Kimsel's K-I-M-S-A-L. Connect with him through the links in the show notes. I am so grateful for this opportunity to have been able to speak with him. I'm so excited excited about this new song and I cannot wait for more music to come. I also want to thank you for listening to Still With You and making it part of your week. If you have any feedback or just want to say hi, please don't be shy. Email me, send me a DM. You can find me on social media. My handle is Coley Browning or you can visit my website coleybrowning.com. It's K-O-H-L-I-E and Browning like the rifle. I would absolutely love to talk with you and encourage you in any way that I can. I love meeting new people. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm so glad I have the opportunity to do that through Still With You. Next week on the podcast, we are resting. Every seventh week, we take a week of rest and we are going to get in the word with some extra ice. If you know, you know, and I can't wait to see you there. Be bold, be brave, be you and remember that he is still with you.